0: To the Dignity of Women, where we dig deep into the vocation and dignity of women in the church in modern times and as an answer to the call for a new evangelization. I'm your host, Kimberly Cook. Joining me today is Sterling Jaquith. Sterling is a Catholic convert, author, and public speaker. She lives in Idaho with her husband and five kids, and she hosts the podcast Coffee and Pearls. Thanks for joining us today, Sterling. Thank you. Uh, the first time that I've
1: been introduced with five kids, I just had that fifth one. So that's the first time
0: I've heard that from somebody else. I know that's got to be weird. Like when you hear the extra kid, and you're like, yeah. "Oh no, that's true." Right? It's and <laughs> I can't do kids,
1: especially if we're all in the same room. I'm like, "Wait, one? There's five of them." Like I'm still so <laughs> surprised when I see them.
0: I I know I have. And I feel like I really can't swivel my head any more than that. Like, I just can't even wrap my mind around. I feel like I'm always like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. four. So the idea of five sounds crazy, but I'm sure people say that when they're at like nine or 10, they're like, I just imagine 11, you know? (laughs) Yeah,
1: Totally. I think that is how it always is. Like just one or two more than you have seems crazy.
0: Yeah. So... Sterling is the co-author of the Into the Wilderness 40 Day Devotional for Single Catholic Women that we are launching, and um, we're both very excited about that. So that is why we decided to get together on this podcast and to talk about our stories and to talk about why we felt called to do this workbook for single Catholic women and to just kind of um, dive into some of that. So Sterling. You live in Idaho right now. Um, the scene like out there in Idaho, the Catholic scene.
1: <laughs> you know, it's, you know, I, we moved from Portland and one of the reasons we did want to move was we, we wanted a better Catholic scene. And we certainly did find that the Catholic community here is so tight Um Especially for the men, which I think is is so important. Uh, my husband just has a, a great morning Bible study group, and then he also has a great group of dads, and they get together and take the kids hiking and fishing and camping all the time. And, it, and then the moms just get to stay home with, like, the under twos, which is actually really nice. It's a nice break. Um, and I've just been so impressed with just really the their commitment to Catholicism and really passing that on to their kids. So that's been really special for all of us.
0: That's really neat. I mean, I don't think about Idaho as having a strong Catholic community just because you think of it tucked away and not in one of the major cities that you think of, Denver or D.C. or... Um, you know, even Nashville or Texas or whatever, you think of some of these places as kind of hot pockets for Catholicism and having these vibrant communities. So it's interesting to hear about these little pockets throughout the country that have these thriving communities.
1: Yeah, it is great. And um, and they are very faithful and very active. I cannot believe the caliber of speakers that they bring here. I remember, Kimberly, the first time I came here right before um, Lent, Uh, I was going to go speak to someone at the diocese and say like, oh, you know, I have some really great Lent talks. And as I was walking up to do that, I saw this big poster that said that they were bringing in Scott Hodd. And I was like, well, never (laughs) mind. I think you got that covered. (laughs) So they've just brought some incredible people out here. Um, And they do that on a diocesan level. So they bring someone out and then they often speak at many parishes. So I'm just impressed with their level of organization.
0: That's great. I have to tell you that one time I was accidentally um, introduced as Kimberly Han, just, <laughs> just, just automatic. So I was like, do I just ride this one out or do I correct that? Like, it was funny. Cause I think she's like, you know, so associated with Catholicism and the name. So it was, funny. um, I just, I just had to laugh at that. But, um, so you speaking of the Hans and converts, you are a convert and I believe from your story that is available in this in the book that you wrote, "Smitten," um, that you put together. Tell me about how that overlapped meeting your husband, which I think you said was online, mm-hmm. and um, and then your conversion. How did that all materialize? Well, I
1: was, I was raised pretty much nothing. I, I mean, I don't want to go as far as to say I was an atheist. I was probably more agnostic, right? Like, I believe in something, and um, the universe is beautiful, right? <laughs> or there's a God. He just doesn't have a name, right? That's probably how I was growing up. Um, and it it wasn't until I was 23, and, and this is a long story, so I won't get into it, that I ended up converting to Protestantism. So I, I was kind of part of a very conservative... Protestant church, and that's when it first occurred to me that I might want to get married. Really, before then, I hadn't wanted to get married at all. And so, you know, I actually I made it one of my goals that year in 2009 to meet my husband, and and it was crazy for me to do that because you know I think previously I had been like, well, I'm open to meeting someone if they showed up, but you know that was the year that I really. I really made it an intention to, to do that. And I say that for the Catholic women listening that, you know, I think sometimes we're afraid to put it out there and say that, that specifically like, no, this is, this is what I want. And I'm going to do that. And, um, and it wasn't until really almost near the end of the year I did. I joined eHarmony and a month later I was matched with my husband who was Catholic and the kind of Protestant church that I was into, was really into educating people. So I had been through several rigorous theology programs about specifically why we are not Catholic. So it wasn't wasn't a small thing um, for me to be matched with this guy, but he was the first online profile on eHarmony that had said the word Jesus and Bible, which was crazy to me. Like The Christian guys were like, I like Christian music. And I was like, that's not the same thing, actually, (laughs) as walking with Jesus. (laughs) And um, so I decided to give him a chance. And then the other big, big point in his favor was that he loved dogs. And I love dogs on like a super, super level. Like they're just my favorite thing in the world. And so I needed someone to at least just understand that about me. They didn't have to be as dog crazy as me, but they couldn't be like, ew, they have to stay outside. Right? I, I couldn't live with somebody like that. So... I decided to give him a chance, and slowly but surely, he started to bring me around. Um, It wasn't that he convinced me that I should be Catholic. Um, I think he convinced me that he was a very godly man, and I saw that. And I saw that we would really want to raise our kids to love Jesus and to read the Bible, and that he would be on board with that. He also kind of had a heart for homeschooling, and I wasn't sure at that point if I had wanted to do that, but I wanted someone open to the idea. And so kind of the last component for me was I was just praying. I was just praying all the time, God, is this this a guy for me? And I felt a great peace that this guy was for me. And because in my Protestant background, I had really been taught that You know, men should be the spiritual leaders of the household. You know, I said, God, if you're calling me to marry this guy, then you must be calling me to be Catholic because you would not call me to be like under him and then
0: Mm.
1: a different religion. Um, And also, statistically, children raised in split religious households don't take sides, they actually pick nothing. And so I decided, you know, I love this guy. I felt called to marry him, and I would rather my kids love Catholic Jesus than know Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I said, all right, I'm going to be Catholic. And before we got married, I was very serious about it. I said, you know, I'm not going to change my mind. I'm going to choose this for you, and I'm going to go all in. Um, I said, except for the the 10 babies thing. I said, I'm not going to buy a Catholic van and have 10 babies.
0: <laughs> I said, I'm not. You're either. halfway there, Sterling.
1: No, I know. I, it's funny, Kimberly, because when I told him, I said, I'll have two kids, just two, right? He said, I really want six. And I said, no, we'll have two. Um, and, but I had already agreed to do the NFP thing. So he kind of winked at me and said, all right, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. And so he's winning, Kimberly. He's winning. <laughs>
0: But, um, I feel like uh, NFP is not as uh, sure proof as a lot of people like to sell it as. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, I mean really it's I think it is if you follow the rules. I think what they don't tell you <laughs> is how much you don't want to follow the rules, right? Or just how easy it is. Like three of my kids, this is a little TMI, but it's a Catholic podcast. So we're just gonna go there. <laughs> three of my kids were conceived where we only did it twice that month right? So like, I think some people think when you have five kids that you're like wild and crazy, like rabbits. Nope, no, that was a day 27 baby, which was a surprise. (laughs) It shouldn't have happened. Um, So yes, we're here we are with five kids. But the, the other big part of my story, and I talk about this, you know, when I'm doing retreats or conferences is, you know, I became Catholic, and it was so cold. And I just I had a horrible RCIA experience. I ended up being at a church that was like all the things that Matthew Kelly says about American Catholicism was like wrapped up in this church, and so it was really frustrating for me because my husband seemed so into Catholicism and I didn't really understand why. Um, and it and it really was eventually two years in after i was just pouting and crying i was so mad at god for taking me away from my awesome warm protestant community and kind of plopping me in this desert and and i ended up getting a matthew kelly book and and he kind of called out a lot of catholics on the things that i was seeing and he gave me hope that that actually wasn't what Catholicism was about—that there was so much more to it, and it was deep and beautiful. This long history and these great traditions, and and so I ended up really having to teach myself about Catholicism, really in books, um, including the Kimberly hombook book where she talks about you know her husband's conversion and her conversion, and that of course spoke deeply to my heart at that point. Rome, uh, sweet home. Yeah, Mm -hmm. realm sweet home. And, uh, and so yeah, so then after after those two years, then I I really did kind of a 180 about face and decided I was going to go all in on Catholicism. And I was going to make the rest of my life be about showing people all that stuff that nobody showed me, because it's all there. And it's timeless. And I think especially right now, we need those things. And so that's why I write books. And that's why I speak. And, and that's why we wrote this book together. (laughs)
0: Well, I think it's funny how God works with our personalities, because what I found so funny about that is that you, of course, were like, I'm going to make it a goal. And I see you as a very goal-oriented and driven person, like, this is what I'm going to do this year, or this is what I'm going to focus on. And then just kind of nothing gets in your way of doing that. And it's just funny that you applied that to finding your spouse, (laughs) like, I'm going to meet him this year. And I just think that a lot of people wouldn't even approach that, you know, couldn't even fathom putting that, you know, goal out there as, because they just think, well, this isn't something that I have control over that I can really make happen. So of course I'd like to, but it's just funny how you were like, no, I am going to meet him. That's my goal. And I'm going to meet that. And God just works with your personality on that and, you know, your nature and, Um, As well, the fact that you're willing to be under his authority, which is something that, of course, women cringe at anything in the Bible talks about that. And the fact that you're like, if he's going to be the head, I need to fall under that is something that I think, you know, it makes a lot of women's skin crawl. And but I think that it is beautiful. And it's what solid marriages are made of. And it, of course, isn't a domination thing. When you talk about your husband, you talk about him as very gentle and loving and kind and authentic. And, you know, he certainly wasn't like, you have to be, (laughs) you have to have six kids or, you know, like it was that love that came through. And so I just, find those two particular things so funny in how God worked with your Sterling specific nature that he... I have to admit I was super
1: scared when I made that goal because, you know, obviously you don't have control over that. And, you know, for anybody who's made weight loss goals and the same exact weight loss goal three years in a row and not done it, it is scary to make any goal, right? Um, especially this one where I just, you know, obviously had had no control over it. But I wasn't um, – I wasn't a passive participant in that. For the whole year, I really tried to put myself out there in situations that I had not previously done. I I did a lot of swing dancing. I went to some singles groups, like I did some really uncomfortable things. And then eventually at the very end in October, you know, signed up for eHarmony. And, um, so you can't just make it a goal and then like hide in your room. (laughs) You do have to go out there, but I did put it at the forefront of my mind that, you know, I, I wasn't going to keep saying, you know, because this is kind of what the world has told women right now. Like you don't need a man, you're strong the way that you are. Um, they kind of act like relationships are optional. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it was really hard and it really went against my, I'm going to say faux feminist ways, right? The faux feminism that I had been taught in my liberal school that I didn't need a man. So it it was really humbling for me to have to put that out there and say, you know, I do want this. I want to be married.
0: And And I I feel like um, that swing dancing aspect of it, for some reason, is just like a necessary gateway drug to Catholic marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah that was, I I started going to a lot of swing dances too. I don't know why that's a thing in Catholic circles, but it is like you have to go through the swing dancing gauntlet if you're going to get to the other side and, you know, hear wedding bells or something. Yeah, which is terrible. I mean, it's, I I would love to, if you, if you're listening to this and you met your
1: husband, you know, (laughs) Swing dance event. Please, please reach out to Kimberly because we would love to hear your story. <laughs> I just, you know, I met like total geeky guys or fifty-year-old men. Or I yes. remember the best guy I danced with must have been like seventeen. You know, I was twenty-three, <laughs> and I was like, "Why? Why is he well, such a good dancer?"
0: <laughs> I have to tell you just a quick aside. I went on a date. It was the first date, and it was to a swing dance. And I think it, the cover was like ten dollars to get into this particular place, and. You know, um, of course the guy paid for it and everything. And then, you know, we had an okay time, but I knew pretty early on that this wasn't going anywhere, you know, that I didn't have any feelings or connection with this guy. And so I told him nicely at the end of the night that, you know, I didn't want to drag this on or really want to. So he insisted um over the course of i think it was like a few days later he reached out to me and said that he wanted me to refund that 10 dollars oh my goodness for the date and i could not believe it but he was very insistent over the next like week wow. so i eventually wound up sending him a check for 10 dollars oh my goodness yes that's i mean i could write a whole book on <laughs> Bad experiences. Okay. Most of which happened in the Catholic community. So, um, so if you're listening, I do understand some of these bizarre things. Um, and and for me, just to quickly recap on how I met my husband, it's also in Sterling's book smitten, but, um, I just had kind of a bizarre experience because I also wasn't raised in a very strong uh, spiritual household. I mean, we were Catholic and we did go to church on Sundays, but that was pretty much the extent of our faith formation. Um, and so I didn't really necessarily have any depth of understanding of Catholicism. I did, you know, all the standard CCD things and and stuff that kids check out on and they're not really interested in and they couldn't tell you anything we learned, you know, a few weeks later. But anyway, uh, when I was very young, I felt like I just had a connection with Jesus. I don't know why, you know, because that wasn't necessarily instilled in me, but it was just kind of just kind of came naturally. And I definitely remember praying a lot when I was very young. And around the time that I was seven, I clearly remember um, having this kind of mystical experience, I guess you could call it, but just where I had this strong sense. That the Lord was revealing to me that I wasn't going to meet my husband till the age of thirty, and I didn't know what that meant. You know, when you're right. like seven years old, you don't know what thirty means—is that right. normal or What? But I told my mom, and um, and she was like, "Where did you hear something like that?" And I said, "Oh, Jesus told me." And of course, coming from not a very strong faith, build how she's thinking like, "Okay, therapy." You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm with this kid and she just quickly like kind of was like oh it's okay honey uh, don't worry about it you know you'll be married long before 30 so i was just like okay you know just wrote it off but it always it's one of those things where sometimes things in your childhood kind of stick with you like something that happens or something that someone says and that for me um really stuck in my head and my heart and of course as i got older and into my 20s and everything and started realizing what where 30 was on the timeline i didn't Wait till I was 30, and I was thinking, okay, that was just some kind of like childhood, uh, you know, fantasy or whatever, and just kind of like hoped that it wasn't true. Um, and I had this kind of especially through high school being very far away from the Lord, very into feminism, all this other kind of stuff, not wanting to ever get married, very selfish, you know, worldview of what I wanted, um, to achieve in my future, which did not involve marriage and kids, and then coming back to the church in my early 20s and winding up going to uh, Franciscan University and everything, I started to really change. And, and like you had that moment for the first time in your early 20s, where you thought, maybe I do want children. Maybe I do want marriage. You know, maybe God is calling me to this after all. And I was wrong this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then my prayer was, please don't let me wait till 30. Gosh, <laughs> like that sounds like a torture and especially being at Franciscan, you know, there was a lot of good, solid guys that were just, you know, just great and yeah. had a lot of good friendships with guys. And it just never really felt right, even though they kind of had everything going for them. And, um, and then as I started to, you know, live out those lonely single years in my late twenties and seeing all my friends get married and have kids and everything, I really started to doubt, you know, um, the Lord, going to come through at all. And I felt like I was putting myself out there, I felt like I was going to everything and just nothing was coming through. And so finally, um, you know, I just remember crying when when my 30th birthday was coming around and just feeling you know, oh man, this is this is cruel, Lord. And then the funny thing is, I did meet him at age 30. I did not know that it was him, you know, my husband, but I met him at age 30 and um, And then, you know, we just had a funny kind of like experience where we had this great friendship for a year, but neither of us realized that we were such a good fit, even though everyone else around us was like, hello, you know, (laughs) (laughs) kind of like when it dawned on us, uh, you know, everyone was just kind of like, yeah, like we've been waiting for this announcement. And um And also the thing that I liked about him so much, he's a convert too. And one of the things that I found about him that I didn't find with a lot of the, you know, guys that were born and bred Catholic was that he was so willing to pursue um, because I told him the first few times that he actually did ask me out, I said, no, you know, just no, for, for a number of reasons. It wasn't at all because I didn't like him or wasn't attracted to him, but there were just other reasons that I didn't, you know, you're afraid to go from from such a good friendship, you uh-huh. know, everything else. And, but anyway, uh, the fact that he just continued on, it was so strong willed and he was so willing, like in a gentle way, but he was just kind of like, he wasn't just going to take no for an answer and go curl up in a ball and cry. You know, he was like, all right, we'll see. You know, like I, I have faith and, and I really like you and I'm going to pursue you. I'm not You know, as long as it's not no, because you have some kind of moral objection to me, you know, I think we can work with this. And that really stood out because I saw a lot of, I guess, guys that I'd more put in the coward's box, you know, and and so he was he was very different than that. So anyway, the rest is history.
1: Yeah, so you can see that Kimberly and I, we've been through some things, right? I mean, we didn't just like meet our husbands at 21 at Catholic College, right? And I love that story too, because I think it's so beautiful, but that is is—that is not where we were coming from.
0: Right. And so tell me, you first wrote the precursor to our singles workbook, Into the Wilderness, was your compilation Smitten. So tell me, why did you get all of these Catholic women to tell their stories. And I think there's even some men in there, but to tell their sordid stories that, you know, are very real and raw about how they met their spouse. What was the nudge that you got to do this?
1: Yeah. So, you know, my, my ministry is mostly geared toward Catholic moms. Um, my, my coffee and pearls podcast is for Catholic moms. My first book was for moms. But I just felt this this kind of nagging in the back of my mind about writing a book for singles. And every time I would watch any any kind of cheesy TV show um, or any any television show where there were high school kids, which were of course played by twenty year olds, um, and I would see them like meet and then fall in love and then have these tragic romances, and I would think, "Gosh, that's just not at all what it's really like." And I I, I would just hurt, you know, as a married person, I would hurt for the the teens that were watching this and the 20-somethings that were watching this and i was thinking what what a horrible education they're getting or what horrible expectations are being set for them and who's going to set them straight you know nobody told me my parents weren't paying attention to what i was watching so they weren't they weren't able to tell me that you know real teenagers don't look like that and and real 20-year-olds don't fall in love in 1 minute and then have these silly television problems that that come up um, you know, it's hard work and, and it's messy and it's painful and it's beautiful too, but it's, it just rarely looks like it does on television. And, and I wanted to say that, and my kids are young, but I, I felt this, this real push from the Holy Spirit to say, to just pull this together. Like, what are the real stories out there? Let's stop paying attention to the, the movie fairy tales. I, I want to know how real Catholic women met their husbands. And, This compilation, there are 37 stories, and they're all over the place from, you know, cradle Catholics to converts. Some couples weren't Catholic at all when they got together and they became Catholic. I love those stories. Some of them, I want to say, are super sweet and chaste. You know, we met at Franciscan and fell in love. Some of them are are really messy and painful and and involve a lot of darker topics and um, like you know, like premarital sex or pornography. And, and it's all handled through a Catholic lens because they're all very faithful Catholic couples now. But I, I appreciate that we can talk about that and say, you know, what are the real deal breakers? How do we love each other through this messy world that we live in? And I wanted to hear those stories and I had no idea who would show up when I put it out there, right? Because I just put it out there on Facebook and said, you know, do you want to tell your story? <laughs> and I didn't know who was going to show up, um, but I think God pulled together 37 really beautiful stories and, um, and I, I think that they are really inspiring for single Catholic women right now because, you know, they're dealing with some really hard things like the hookup culture and the Tinder culture. And they're looking around going, Where are these guys? Or all the Catholic guys are wet noodles and I want a strong Catholic man. Mm-hmm. And and I will say for all of you who are listening and feel like that, I think it literally feels impossible until the day you meet him. Yeah. And then immediately it's it's done. And nothing you've done before then matters. And I wish I wish I hadn't Thought about, worried about, kissed, fussed over any of the people because none of them even hold a candle to my husband, who was Mm -hmm. nothing like what I thought I wanted. (laughs) You know, I mean, if you had asked younger me, I would be like, "Oh, he has terrible clothes, and he doesn't like the same music, (laughs) and like all these silly things."
0: Well, I was thinking more like lumberjack cowboy, and my husband's a computer (laughs) engineer. (laughs) That's funny. So yeah, (laughs) I mean,
1: nothing. I wanted to tell them the truth is really what it was. I wanted to tell them the truth, both the good truth and the bad truth so that they were prepared for that.
0: And I don't think there's a person listening who doesn't like to hear a relationship story. I mean, whether we're single, married or whatever, we love hearing real stories about real people and how they met because everyone's story is so interesting and so unique. And I know for me, when I you know, wrote my story for Smitten. And then as I was reading all the other stories, um, and like you said, oh my gosh, some of them are, you know, these people have gone through so much, um, you know, before they were even married, some of them and even lost and different things like that, really crisis situations. And, you know, it really made me think, and, um, but I did feel a lot of hope and a lot of inspiration because you see how people get through to the other end and how strong they are on the other side, you know, and like you said, how nothing else really matters after they met the one and stuff like that. And it just, it gives you hope, which I think you really need on the single journey. And as I was reading all these stories in Smitten, I really felt called to take it a step further. And that. Mm-hmm. I contacted you and said, Hey, you know, what do you think about doing something as a follow-up that's kind of like more specifically, um, you know, a journal, something that, that then women can take these stories and actually do something with it, you know, take it to prayer specifically and like guided meditations and things like that. And I just think You know, it was awesome that you agreed to work on that. And I feel like the whole thing just came together so beautifully. I mean, obviously it took a while, but um, the saints quotes that we used, you know, the way that the stories and our reflections came together. I just feel like we kind of, you know, really put something out there that I wish I would have had throughout those really hard years. And Something that I have not seen anything else like that out there for single women. So I just, you know, I feel like this is so necessary right now.
1: Yeah. So each chapter has, you know, a little quote from one of the stories, right? So there are 37 days. It's a 40-day journey, and there are 37 days to match the 37 stories. So a, a quote from them, but then a reflection from, from Kimberly or myself. Um, and and those really dive even deeper to the to the questions that women have. Why God, why am I going through this? It's so painful. Um, And you know, this isn't a a devotional that's going to promise you that you're going to get married. I think the thing that we're promising you is if the, you really ask these questions, you're going to find some peace, right? Because we have to have, when he gives us no answer, we have to have peace when he gives us the answer we don't want. Um, And we have to have peace in transition, perhaps, to the answer that we do want. And so I think that is definitely what this workbook gives women if they go through it.
0: Amen to that. Well, thank you. And we are going to let you know, um, you can find this workbook on my site, KimberlyCook.me. And then we're also going to set up some other avenues that you can find this. You can definitely find it on um, our Facebook pages and, and different things like that. Um, You can find Sterling on her podcast, uh, coffee and pearls and also sterling Her last name is spelled J a Q U I T H.com. So thank you so much Sterling for saying yes to working on this project with me. And, um, and for all the work that you're doing.
1: Thank you. And you know what, ladies out there, we're praying for you and we, we know it's hard and the days are long and the years feel even longer. Um, but I think listening to Kimberly's story and some of these other stories, I I have a lot of hope that you know, God has a plan for us and it's always better than, it's always better than the plan that we have for ourselves. And I never feel like that as I'm kicking and screaming and throwing a tantrum and saying, you know, just give me this thing and it will make me happy. You know, and he's always smiling softly in the background saying, just wait, just wait for what I really have for you. Cause it's, it's better than you can imagine.